see, young America, we need to talk. You may think this is uncool. You may even think it is bogus. But I want to tell you about something that has everyone buzzing. Something that concerns mature boys and girls just like you. Something called grassroots. Hey everyone, this is Aaron Ashley Simon. This is Brandon Kittleby H. Hall. Welcome to another episode of Grassroots Podcast about the stories and opinions of influencers and ourselves. Today we have a special guest. I know all of you artists are going to be so excited about this one. Yeah. This man's from Death Jam. He handles digital marketing. The historic He's a silent Death G. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. So uh, introduce yourself, let our listeners know who you are, and a little bit, I guess, about your background. Cool. Will do. It's J.D. Tominski. I'm currently VP of Digital at Def Jam. Um, I started out a little while ago. I started out um, from, the, from the blogosphere. I started out in like the 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008 uh, era where blogs were just really popping off, um, beginning of when social media just started taking off. And... Um, from the blogosphere, I sort of transitioned into a job at HBO, so I was doing a little bit of social and digital there. Um, and eventually, I made my way over to Columbia Records, which I was there for um, just under five years. And now I've been at Def Jam for about six months and counting, and mm. so far, so good. But um, yeah, excited to be here. Well, I mean, you, you obviously have an extensive background you, with many talents, I see that you uh, did a lot of interviews early on, a lot of high-profile high, uh, guests like Kendrick Lamar and uh, just a, a bunch of people. But you also take pictures yeah. as well. Yeah, so um, the whole blog thing was definitely self-taught. It was just a way of me um, propelling some of the artists that I was a fan of at the time. So... You know, it started out with the Kendrick Lamars and the Drakes and the Kid Cuddies back in 2007 before they were who they are today. Mm -hmm. um, also, Wale was a big one back then, too. Yeah. So um, I did one of Wale's first na national um, interviews when I was an intern at MTV News. Nice. Um, I was one of the first, uh, I want to say, like three interviews, Kid Cuddy. Um, we had Big Sean, we have Kendrick Lamar, like you said. Uh, we had Jay Rock and uh, Asher Roth and a few others. So yeah. um, the, the purpose of really getting to Blogosphere is really to push my artists. So um, aside from blogging and, and doing that kind of thing, I, I sort of self-taught my way into photography and videography. Mm -hmm. So since I immersed myself in the culture when I lived in New York City, I was at all the shows and doing all this stuff other anyways. So I used to just bring a camera with me. So... Um, I had access to these artists because of the website, and um, eventually I turned that into more of a professional craft where um, I get a, I received a professional camera, and I started diving in, into that a little bit more, and mm -hmm. then I started getting the photo credentials to festivals and um, all the events and, um, you know, all the shows. So um, it was really just about, again, just immersing myself in the culture based on the website, and then I sort of found my way into these other avenues, which... 
um, I still do today to mm -hmm. a certain extent. So the skill sets that you've developed during the blogging phase and when you were doing photography started out, how have, how have those skill sets been helpful now doing digital for Def Jam? Yeah, so I mean, I always saw myself as sort of part of the head of the curve when it came to mm -hmm. identifying trends, identifying artists, um, seeing what's next, what's now. Um, so I think that really translates to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis um, in the digital space. So whether it's social or whether it's an advertising campaign or whether it's um, it's specialized content for each artist, I think I just my head's there when it's coming to how are we going to promote this artist and market this artist online. So um, all of that um, in conjunction with you know I'd say a, a pretty good eye for photography and videography and things like that. Um, and creativity is definitely a special set of mine. I think all that combines into becoming a, an efficient and effective digital marketer nowadays. So I think that's how it's all sort of translated into where I am now. Yeah. yeah. Now, when we think digital, that's that's the new uh, wave of things now. Everything is digital between, obviously, Instagram, Twitter, and stuff like this. Um, do you feel a sense of, I guess, pressure uh, going into uh, Def Jam now and having to kind of revamp you guys. We talked about this early on, but you know, there's a whole new regime now. You, you There's maybe a little bit of sense of uh, pressure here. So how do you handle something like that? And then like, what's your game plan, I guess? Yeah, I think I think it's really, I mean, that's why I was brought in there in the first place. Um, the people that identified me and brought me in understood um, my talents from when I was at Columbia Records. So when I was at Columbia Records for about five years, you know, I was working campaigns um, for Beyonce and J. Cole and um, Dej Loaf and Juicy J and Calvin Harris and a number of other artists. So um, it was really about identifying my strengths there and bringing it over to Def Jam and seeing how we could elevate our artists from where they're at now and what we're trying to do. So um, combining that with um, just being ahead of the curve, like I said, and um, I have a really good relationship with all of our third party partners as well. So. Um, you know, we have close relationships with, you know, the partners that you just mentioned, in mm -hmm. addition to the YouTubes and the Vivos and the Tumblers and things like that. So we're always putting uh, an emphasis on um, breaking new ground and seeing what we can do with these artists. Um, so whether it comes from internally from myself and my team or working with these third party companies, uh, we're always trying to push the limits on what we can do and bringing that creativity to um, the masses. Um, I think one of the one of the ones that I mentioned uh, in our talk at the Digilog a few weeks back was um, the Vince Staples GoFundMe campaign, which mm -hmm. um, I think um, our team really came together uh, to make that happen, and that was a that was something that was uniquely um, you know set out to do with Vince Staples and his humor and his his way of addressing topics and things like that. So mm -hmm. I'd encourage everybody listening to go check out that campaign and check out some of the feedback we got there. Cause, um, but that was, that, was a, that was a campaign that was uniquely Vince Staples and I don't know if other artists could have done that, but I credit Vince and the entire team at Def Jam and management mm -hmm. for really helping get that done. Yo, JD is great, man. His answers are very like, I don't even know if this is media trained. I feel like he's Jedi mind tricking me <laughs> no, to believe no, all no, this no. stuff that he's saying. Man. I bought in, I'm just saying, I'm bought in. I'm just like, wow, man, that's great. <laughs> appreciate you, appreciate you.
It's yeah. really dope. He's a though. pro. Yeah. It is. You a can pro. tell you've been around. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I just gave a talk. So I was down at uh, Clemson University where I went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just gave a talk to um, some marketing folks there about um, new media and digital and social. So I'm a little prepped. I was just doing that on um, Friday afternoon. So okay. um, it was a good experience, though, because Clemson is a, is a small place in South Carolina where they're not traditionally exposed to you know the insight into music or entertainment. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good opportunity to be down there and talk to those kids. Yeah. Empower the youth. Agree. Always, Agree. always, always. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we were on the panel, so you know, I'm I'm very big on that. Um, when it comes to the digital team, <clears throat> are you guys kind of part of the team that deals with like social media crisis control? Um, Sabrina Claudio, they found out she has some tweets. Yeah. People didn't like it. Instagram, some could say, is a little racist. Um, is your team part of that team that kind of deals with like, oh shit, our artist has mad racist tweets. What do we do? What's the process? So, you know, we haven't been in that, I haven't been in that position since I've been there thus far, but I would assume that I would have that input into, you know, advising the artists and managers on what to do and from a Def Jam standpoint, um, along with sort of the staff at Def Jam. But, you know, that's, that's a hard thing because, again, I haven't really been in that scenario. But, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do if you're Sabrina? I, I think from a personal standpoint, you go right at it and you address what you did mm-hmm. rather than trying to skirt around it and trying to make excuses. Mm-hmm. It's something you did. It's something that, you know, was wrong. But yeah. I, I think you just go ahead and just address it head on. That, I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah. But. Um, if we were to encounter something that in the near future, I think that's something we would probably discuss internally and then go back to the artist and um, figure out how he or she wants to deal with it. But um, from a Def Jam st- brand standpoint, we would allow the artist to really you know, make that statement and then we would uh, handle accordingly from there. Do you guys have people that comb through your artist's social media to like look and make sure that things like that aren't out there? I mean, there's like, of course, you want to give them expression, freedom of expression, everything. But then there also has to be some kind of monitoring that has to occur to make sure that they're not like being reckless and crazy and saying like racist ass shit and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, again, we, we allow the artists to be the artists. So we're not we're not stopping them from making a political statement or saying something which they think is right mm-hmm. uh, in their minds. But we are, you know, we're taking a look at what they're doing. We have notifications on when whoever's tweeting or whatever, when everybody's posting. So we're all following that and seeing what they're doing mm-hmm. and acting accordingly. Um, but we're not, we're not the type of company that holds people back from, you know, making their statements on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, w- with that said, you know, we are just, you know, because we're curious because Again, we don't control anything they say, so you know you never know when you know artist A, B, or C comes, you know, wakes up and has these feelings. So yeah. we need to just you know pay attention to what they're doing and sort of act accordingly. But it's yeah. got to be like a weary thing, though, to be you know at the head and the helm of you know digital, and then worry about these artists that you obviously may not have media training or may not have common sense, which is obviously not common, and then also have the wherewithal of knowing how to conduct themselves and what their, uh, you know, their presence could be, you know, to the public. So, I mean, like when you're, I guess, thinking about these types of situations, do you normally kind of try to forecast it and at least try to get ahead of the curve with maybe certain artists? Uh, artists? 
Yeah, so with every artist, I mean, we have close relationships with the managers and the artists themselves. So right off the bat, we're always talking to them about um, what they should be doing versus not be doing on you know the various social media accounts. Um, we credit our partners for always informing us on best practices and things like that. Um, so we we definitely identify you know the, the do's and don'ts, and we try to guide them as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we, we don't control them. We don't you know we don't tell them what to do or what not mm-hmm. to do. But we can certainly suggest things to do and not to do. And that's when you know the digital team really comes into play with managers and the artists and mm-hmm. figuring out that dynamic. And and then like you said, media training is something that you know with a new artist who you know is just signed and doesn't really have that training. We will go through that process um, with the publicity team on, um, again, the do's and don'ts. So, um, you know, it's just about educating them on what works, which verse, what doesn't work, and, um, you know, just, you know, putting those suggestions in the air. And if they're going to take them, they're going to take them. And if the artist is really motivated to say what he or she wants to say, they'll do it anyway. So, um, but we we certainly, you know, as professionals, advise them on certain things yeah so in terms of suggestion let's just say there's a lot of artists that listen to our podcasts and let's just say there's artist a that could be potentially signed by dev Cham. pre-signing what are some suggestions that you would give to artists to uh i guess for them to to enhance their brand through digital marketing um or what's something that you see artists aren't quite doing that they should maybe be doing as a suggestion within the digital world? I think, especially on socials, I like to see when artists are actively, um, well, I think we look at numbers nowadays, but the smart ones are looking at engagement. Um, So even with your podcast, I'm sure you have um, a set of engaged folks and uh, you're doing your best to engage with, with those people. So I think I definitely look for engagement. What's engagement rate versus, you know, a million followers is nothing without mm-hmm. engagement. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for engagement if that's strong. So is that person talking to their fans? Um, are they part of the conversation? Um, are they smart about where they're reaching out to when it comes to publicity and features and things like that? Mm-hmm. Um and I think um, you can navigate that to a way, in a way where you can be noticed a little bit more. Um, so I definitely look at certain websites and certain certain places, like uh, we were talking about earlier, but DJ Booth is a great place, which gives exposure to, to artists and gives them a voice. Mm-hmm. It gives them a voice to also write in and share their personal thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I think those are interesting ways to stand out. I think nowadays just... Um, keeping up with what's popular and, and some of the trends and not to say podcasting is a trend, but this is a great platform that a lot of artists nowadays are taking advantage of and mm-hmm. um, sharing their own stories. So I think um, putting your story out there and um, exposing the fans of the story to really buy into you as an artist and not just a song is something that I look for. And I think that's really important. Um, there's a lot of artists that have songs, but there's there's not a lot of artists that have a true brand that people buy into and people are invested in. Yeah. Um, so those are a few things I look at. And then, you know, there are other artists that are doing unique things. There's a lot of artists stepping into the gaming worlds nowadays. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of artists that are recognizing themselves as a brand beyond just music. So I think stepping into some of those unique arenas, which aren't um, standards, are, are cool things to do. 
So I have a question just about the climate of music. And we, you talked about trends and things like that. It seems like the, the growing trend now is artists now wanting to be independent, not really wanting to go with labels. And some may just be bandwagoners just because it's the wave. And then some may have legitimate reasons. Um, how do you guys try to circumvent that, knowing that now you know, you're, you're putting this core team together over at Def Jam and you guys have a, a different vision from what it was back in the day? How do you guys get around those obstacles when you're really vested in uh, maybe an artist or something like that? Are you, are you in regards to signing a new artist? Yeah, potentially? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, when we're, you know, I'm not involved in the A&R process and the signing process personally. Uh, we leave that to those professionals there. But, you know, I think... Um, you as an artist, if there's an artist listening, I think you need to really decide um, how much you need the label. And I, you know, I'm going to be honest, not everybody needs the label, but some people do need the label. And I think um, you need to just think about what that label can do for you and what you can do for the label. Um, I think um, you know, the label provides a lot of services um, that an independent uh, party can't really um, handle themselves, whether it has to do with money or timing or staff or lack thereof. Um, you know, radio promo is still important. I think we have an in with, uh, we have an in with the playlisting, which is obviously important nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a full staff of marketing, marketing folks that are always thinking about what, what are the new things? What are the new opportunities? We have a syncs team that's, you know, always thinking about your music and how we can place it in movies and film and mm-hmm. TV and things like that. So, these are things that um, these are services that you know the average artist and their team probably you know don't have a firm grasp on to handle themselves. So there are a lot of things to offer. I think it's it's thinking about uh, what's a point where you've reached a plateau and you want to bring it to that next level, and mm-hmm. then you start thinking about a label. But um, I think you want to get to a certain point where before you start thinking about signing to a label and um, figuring out then. So, have you ever worked with an artist where they were signed to a label, but to regular fans, they appear independent, but they're not? Would there be a difference within marketing them digitally when the, when people know they're signed to a label versus when it's like they're signed, but they, yeah. they, they, I guess the appearance is that they're indie? Yeah, there, there are a few that I've worked on in the past. Um, I'm not going to really, I'm not, I'm not really going to call them out, but there are a few, and, and you know, the services that we provide them are a little bit different. So some of those artists stay away from the scope of what a label is and what it represents. Mm-hmm. And they want that indie feel to their music and to their marketing. So uh, when marketing those folks, you won't see um, you know, Def Jam branding or Columbia branding or Epic branding or RCA branding on all their um, you know, on all of uh, the metadata and um, social posts and mm-hmm. you know, advertising and things like that. Um, it'll be branded as such as, you know, an indie artist and whatever that person wants to, wants it to look like. So, um, I think in that respect, um, it's different. Um, I think some of the, some of the mainstream, uh, opportunities and looks are a little bit different. So, um, a little bit more creative and out of the box versus, um, some of the, some of the programs that we sort of just plug artists into, mm-hmm. um, and we pitch for there. So. Um, it's definitely a, a little more bespoke when it's when it comes to what you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
And I, and I don't think that's, you know, there's a wrong, there's a right or wrong thing to do it. If, if that's how an artist wants to maintain and that's the image he or she wants to have, that's fine. Mm. Um, I just think that uh, there needs to be still be clear communication with the label on what he or she wants to do. Um, and then you can go from there and build a build an interesting marketing plan. I always feel like that's a slippery slope, though. Like when you find out, like uh, some of your 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 big artists or your fran fans, their whole uh, brand is built on just being independent. You know, fuck the labels. We're not dealing with it. And then you find out that all right, you actually have some label backing. I wonder how that you know they handle it from an artist perspective. I know you probably can't answer that, but I just I always think yeah. that that's really dangerous when you're an artist. Like people like authenticity and and like when you're just straight and forward, whatever you, you choose, you know your yeah. path to be so yeah. i just think it's dangerous. i agree with you i was gonna use the word dangerous as well um yeah. but i think there's a right and a wrong way to do it mm -hmm. so a lot of those artists who have that image they aren't they aren't at the labels hounding people for you know support and marketing sometimes it just has to do with additional funding and additional support with money yeah and they handle all the creative and all the marketing in-house with their team so what they're really getting out of the label um, isn't necessarily the big mainstream label look. It's maybe just one aspect of um, the label relationship. Okay. So, you know, whether it's money or, um, you know, connecting them with another artist, which he or she may not have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are a lot of artists that are, I would, you know, it's, it's hard to really say, but um, what, whether you call them independent or major, but... Um, I, I like think to call them Mindy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't. But, but a lot of those camps are still are still treated as independent camps. Um, there's just again, there's maybe one or two aspects that the label mm -hmm. helps provide, and sometimes you know they can't cover the costs of a radio promo tour yeah. or certain things. But at the core of it, I think a lot of those artists that you're speaking of um, really do. Uh, maintain authenticity and they um, you know they bring up they they market themselves internally with their own teams essentially yeah so so I know you can't really give up the the gems too much um, but what happens from with your guys department when they bring in an artist and I know like Def Jam is one of the labels that does do a little bit of artist development before they release their artists out there's a few that I saw last year um, that they were working on for some time when you get an artist and you have to go through that development process, what is it, uh, what's the process from like a digital marketing aspect where it's like, okay, are you developing content and concepts already with the, the, the development team or whoever's de developing that artist? Or is that something where it's like, all right, they're gonna take this person from point A to point B and then point B is when we actually start developing our strategy and plan to market this artist digitally? We're starting from the very beginning, so um, I can mention a few art, a few new artists on Def Jam, uh, relatively new. Um, there's a really talented guy out of Texas named Bobby Sessions. Um, we just mm -hmm. launched a single and music video in the past um, week or two. Week or two. Um, we signed this guy Valet who out of Chicago, mm -hmm. um, who, who's pretty hot right now. Um, and we have a handful of others, but we're marketing them and, and developing plans right when they sign. So. Um, whether it's just building up social figures and building up that engagement, which I mentioned before, um, whether it's whether it's building and banking content for later down the road, or whether it's you know profile pieces, get to know you pieces, um, 
I think it's I think it's really important to um, shed light on those artists right away, and we're always developing campaigns right from the start. Um, but there are points where you know if one of their singles starts really popping off on you know the streaming services or radio or both, um, we definitely do recognize that and we try to ramp up where need be and uh, accentuate on some of those uh, key tent poles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're always we're always thinking about development plans and what we can be doing online, um, and that's where again some of our digital partners and third party partners come into play, whether it's a developing artist program or different looks where we can um, put them in there and sort of shed that light. I think, yeah. you know, we're really always mm-hmm. thinking about that kind of stuff. Now yeah. moving into Def Jam because I know you said you were brought in obviously for your your all your past work. Were there certain like I guess um, plans and procedures that you kind of got pushed back on that you knew just were inundated, needed to kind of be pulled out and and go with the new trend of of marketing that you were fought on? I guess um, entering in early on. Yeah, I think it's uh, like I was telling you earlier a little earlier, but it's it's you know it's really a work in progress. I think. Def Jam was and is always the definitive place in hip hop when it comes to you know music and culture. Um, so right now with a new team in, um, we're really we're really looking to sort of reestablish that. I know you know over the past couple of years a lot of hip hop has gone the way of Epic Records and RCA and mm-hmm. they're great um, and they've been doing really great things for it. But you know if you if you really think about it, I mean what's the what's the place you think of? You think of Def Jam when it comes to hip hop and you know what we're trying to do there so um, it's certainly still a work in progress and I think we're gonna get there uh, really soon mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think it's about educating the people internally and um, doing what we do best so um, you know mm-hmm. we can do this you know six months from now then we can talk about uh, you know what what has progressed since then but I think we're on a really positive path and we've brought the right people in to to really make a strong yeah. impact JD is great, man. <laughs> I've been trying to just get him. He just won't fall for anything, man. No. There's, there's, there's gems in between the lines, though. You just got to listen carefully. Um, so what's the difference when you market a hip-hop artist versus an R&B? I remember that uh, Kay Michelle, I interviewed her for a piece, and she was saying that the reason why she left R&B is because the part of the marketing process for R&B artists is to put their music to radio where it dies. Basically something something like that she said. Yeah. Um, so what is the difference when you have an artist who's who's hip hop based versus who's maybe like pop or something else? Is is there even a difference when you market them digitally? Yeah, I mean, I think I haven't worked on. Um, I've only worked on a handful of releases since I've been at Def Jam, so I can't really speak to that there. But I think um, what I mentioned before and what I was talking about at the Digilog um, panel a few weeks back is um, again creating bespoke. Uh, content for each of those artists and we're really uh, we're always um, breaking down the audience where they're coming from what they're listening to so we're always mining the audience data and um, playing to you know the strengths of that so whether it's um, you know a Tony Braxton album which we Mm -hmm. recently put out and um, going to where her fans are and um, you know she has TV shows and um, a number of different things. So it's really about getting to know the artist and where he or she uh, fits in with their fan bases. Um, in terms of uh, you know working with other partners and things like that, again, it's 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 about pitching those ideas to them and seeing you know what fits versus what doesn't fit. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's more about understanding the audience and then crafting the content and the rollout plan around you know what that audience is and you know where that person has traditionally uh, been in the past uh, in regards to uh, whether it's playlisting or concerts and tours and things like that. So um, it's really about yeah identifying the fans and identifying the artist, playing to his or her strengths and weaknesses, and going from there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've worked on a multitude of different artists. I, you know, when I was at Columbia, uh, it was a little bit more diverse, obviously. So I was working on um, indie artists from uh, from the UK and you know bands that I would never have you know personally listened to, but I think I was exposed to that. I think it made me a, a more well-rounded marketer. Um, so, you know, a Calvin Harris campaign isn't run the same way um, as, you know, a band like uh, Coin, who's an up-and-coming band who's on Columbia Records. So yeah. um, it's, it's different, but, you know, there, there are certainly elements in the core. Uh, it's kind of the same. We're always looking for content. We're always looking for, um, you know, social media platforms and engagement there. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for our partners. We're always looking for playlisting. We're mm -hmm. always building digital advertising campaigns. Uh, it's just about specializing it to, you know, whichever artists um, and their demos. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So as you now are obviously engulfed in the business for so many years, working with different people, you obviously were a fan of the culture. Now actually yeah. knowing the inner workings of it and stuff, are, are you kind of jaded a little bit now? Like for me, example, like I've, I've been in music for so long that when I go to a concert, I don't go as like a fan now. Like I go and I'll critique like, oh, that, that speaker sounds off or uh, no, he shouldn't be, he's doing too much. His, his, his levels are off. Like do you ever, <laughs> can you ever just turn off the switch of working and just being a fan for a moment? I can actually, I still get excited to go to shows and I still like going to events. Uh, I was at South by Southwest for a week and bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was super exciting to be there and just just go to these shows every single time and um, whether it's my own artists or some of the other artists, I still get super excited. And, yeah. um, I think the biggest perk is just you know getting that access to, to certain things and mm -hmm. um, not having to wait in line for hours. But I think <sighs> that's yeah. the best. That's <laughs> word. <laughs> but but I've I've definitely done that and that's still fun to me and. Um, you know, th th there's a J. Cole event tonight. I'm sure there were, you know, thousands of kids lined up around the block. I was involved and went to uh, a number of his Dollar in the Dream uh, shows when I worked at Columbia and worked mm -hmm. on J. Cole's projects. And, um, you know, even if I'm not as excited as I once was, which I generally am, it still makes me excited to see other people excited too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with projects that I'm personally working on. So I'll take a moment to really reflect and I'll, I'll look at the crowd and see the reaction. Yeah. I, I take time, I'm very self-aware of what's going on, but um, I still get wrapped up in some of that excitement. It still excites me yeah. to be in the photo pit and take pictures and see mm -hmm. the artists and mm -hmm. um, see what he or she brings to the table. So. You know, I haven't really become jaded. It's just that access is great. So yeah. um, that, that's been one of the biggest perks. What campaign were you the most, like, were you the proudest? Like, when it ended, you're like, damn, we did a good job. Yeah, I think, um, you know, speaking of J. Cole, I think J. Cole, one of J. Cole's campaigns was um, one of my most proud. So... Um, before I got to Columbia Records, um, J. Cole is one of the artists that I was blogging about. 
Um, and I was at all of his mixtapes release parties in New York City. And I was part of that mix, and I became friends with some of their team a long time ago. So when I got to Columbia Records and I started working on the projects, it was really a dream come true for me. Yeah. And I was excited every single time we, we talked about J. Cole and what we, he was putting out. Yeah. And, um, 2014 Forestills Drive is one of my favorite projects that I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked on that from the beginning to the end and with the team at Rock Nation who were great. Um, but I was super excited to just, just you know, be in the presence of that music and, and really work on it. Um, and I, I clearly, clearly remember him coming into the conference room and playing the music for the first time. That's something that I'll never forget. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, the big, one of the biggest aspects of that was um, he rolled out the, the marketing plan around his house, which he bought, um, his childhood home in yeah. Fayetteville. And then he had the, the listening sessions there for, for fans, and mm -hmm. um, there were flyaways to get there. And... Um, even just, you know, creating the web banners and, you know, the website for that was just super exciting for yeah. me. And I think I, I won't ever forget that one. His is always, his rollouts are very interesting, though. Like, one of my favorite rollouts from him was when he was going, like, door to door playing his album. Yeah. Like, just, I think that type of marketing to me is genius because he, he obviously knows that that's shock value. You know, it's it's building a, a different connection that the person he's playing the music for will never forget. Yeah. Do you ever, now that you're in, in a position to do that, do you want to do certain things like that, I guess? And obviously not to duplicate, um, but to just be different and just to be in a, uh, innovative, you know, yeah. obviously moving forward. Yeah, I definitely I definitely want to be. And I think um, the biggest reason why some of that stuff happened is because he has a great team around him, mm -hmm. the Dreamville team and the Rock Nation team. And he's, he's not at Columbia anymore. He's at um, Interscope. Interscope, yeah. Um, but, you know, all of the collective teams are really passionate about him and his projects. Mm -hmm. And I think having a good team around you, um, as an artist is super important to really getting that, that kind of stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, that's stuff that I definitely want to be focused on in the, in the near future with the Def Jam artists. And I think um, there are a lot of artists that are on board and a lot of teams. So it's just about finding those right ideas mm -hmm. for, you know, the indiv individual artists. And, um, you know, those one or two ideas um, can make or break a campaign versus rolling out you know, 10 or 20 ideas, smaller ideas, which yeah. don't necessarily, you know, make an impact. So it's figuring out, you know, what's going to make an impact for that artist yeah. and what's going to sort of penetrate through all the noise, which there's a lot of noise nowadays. So I just brought a question to mind. All right. So with all these accomplishments, right, what was the one campaign that you worked on? You'd be like, damn, I fucked up. I, I could have done this differently in hindsight. Uh, I'm probably not going to go there and do that to myself. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, there aren't there aren't things that I I or the team really messed up, per se. But I think there were some campaigns with certain artists that we could have done more for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if the artists and you know the team really really rallied rallied around some of our ideas. So I think there's some missed opportunities when um, some artists and their teams aren't really open yeah. to unique concepts and ideas, mm -hmm. and. You know, it's either they don't get it or they're not interested or, you know, a number of reasons. But um, there's certainly artists and, and, and projects which I wish we could have done more, um, but it just didn't come together for one reason. Mm -hmm. or another. Yeah. And sometimes there's, there's ideas that, that make it, you know, 50% of the way. But if they're not if they're not executed the right way, then um, I'd rather not roll them out than yeah. um, roll out something that's not complete. Yeah. Or, 
wasn't the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So um, nothing really I regret, but there's definitely more artisan campaigns, which I wish we could have done a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, you always wish that you could do better. I mean, same thing with us. We always are thinking about how we can do things better with the podcast. So. It, yeah. It, it always happens. Well, we'll do something and then be like, damn, we, we could have shot this better. What? We forgot to ask these questions. God damn. Like, you know what I mean? That yeah. Those type yeah. of things. Not like you completely bomb. No, but I, I would never ask that. I think that also says a little bit about your personalities and always wanting to perfect the craft and, and do better and mm -hmm. strive for bigger and better things and, you know, not settling for, you know, the status quo. Yeah. And I think that's a reflection of you guys and what you're trying to bring to this this podcast game and everything you guys are doing personally. So I think I'm on the same boat as you guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Shady. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. <laughs> so content, content, content. Basically, content rules the world. You know what's um, funny about that is that was one of my slides when I was talking to the folks at Clemson last week. Really? One of the slides said content, content, content. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking. Well, look, see, we're on the same wavelength. Great um, But yeah, like content rules everything. And I mean, I've had conversations with artists when I'm like, almost anything that you put out can be content. Everything from your music to your music videos to your tweets, that's all content, written mm -hmm. audio, video, et cetera. Um, for artists, you know, of course, they wanna get their music out, et cetera. What do you think that, like why do you think they need to focus on content that isn't music-based? Like, like you're saying, engagements, tweeting, having appropriate photos, correct imaging, everything that like, or even blogging for some of them. Like, why is that extra content important for the growth of the artists and for them to understand they gotta do more than just post music? Yeah, I think that's that, that sort of alludes back to something I said a little while ago about <clears throat> um, successful artists having fans that really buy into them as a person and an artist versus just the music. So I think creating a well-rounded, um, plan about what you're rolling out mm -hmm. and what you're what you're trying to prove as your own brand identity is super important. So um, again, whether it's personality pieces and get to know you pieces or whether it's showing off other aspects of what you do. Um, but I think taking a pride in what you do um, and putting that out there. So whether it's clean photographs or a strong website or, you know, anything online really that really represents you. Mm -hmm. um, and looks really clean and um, represents you as a brand is super important um, in addition to the music. So it's really about, um, you know, creating that identity and getting fans to buy into you outside of the music because, um, you know, there's a million one hit wonder cases that we can talk about, but um, one thing that we can generally point back to is people were invested in the song for those one kiss, one case, one hit wonders, rather than the artist. So that's why some of those artists just went away. Yeah. Um, so they were, they were focused on you know the one song and promoting that rather than themselves and uh, as a bigger brand. Yeah. yeah. This is really my last question. I like to ask these types of questions. You're the face of Def Jam. Let's just say, obviously, for digital. What can we expect from you? you know, moving forward now, steering the ship, at least from the digital world. And, um, you know, what do you see the vision of that being? Or the vision of Def Jam, I should say, being? Yeah, I think, um, like we were talking about, content, content, content. So 
Um, that's a shirt. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely a shirt. Yeah, that's, that's a shirt. shirt. Or a bumper sticker. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta print that up and sell those. Gotcha. Um, you know, th- there's two, there's two main aspects to my, to my job. It's overseeing Def Jam, you know, as a brand, mm-hmm. um, obviously along with the rest of the team. But um, so we're, we're, we're really looking for that brand identity, and you know, we're going to be creating original content and doing things like that in the future. Um, and then on another basis, it's, it's uh, promoting our artists. So, um, and how do we, you know, how do we bring those two together and yeah. really have those artists represent the brand as a whole? Um, so that's what we're going to be focusing a lot this year on, um, you know, bringing those those facets together and pushing those out. Um, but I think, you know, I was brought in and. I was brought in to, you know, be be a creative mind. So, working with the teams internally to see how we can push the envelope and go outside the box. And I have, a, like I said again, I have a great relationship with all of our partners. So, pushing the boundaries there on what we can do. Um, and I think we'll be in a really, really good place. Uh, we have a lot of good projects coming up, and you know, a few that have already been announced. Uh, YG has an album. Mm. Two Chains has an album. Two Chains. And we have we have, we have a lot coming up that you know we haven't announced and there's no dates uh, that we can talk about right now. But um, just know that there are a lot of exciting things happening behind the scenes that you guys and everybody listening will see. You know, in the next six months, that um, we really get people excited um, around the industry and in pop culture as a whole. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we're really excited for what's to come and. Um, yeah, good times, man. I got one question. He just he just had this question pop in my head because um, you brought up two chains, and the one thing I really love about two chains, obviously, like the, the digital marketing behind his project is is solid. But what I love is that he takes a concept and then does a live uh, in person activation for it, um, whether the it was the, the trap house yeah. and everything like that. Um, why is it important to do things? like those live activations in um, uh, uh, along with digital and why like you shouldn't just be strictly digital all the time like you should be doing some things that are in person or yeah. or at co- or shows or concerts or anything like that yeah I think those those experiential moments can be game changers for campaigns so you know I, I, I wasn't there for that specific campaign and props to everybody who was there that made that happen because um, you know, that really defined that project and was probably one of the best things that happened all of last year when it was rolled out or, you know, whenever that launched. So, um, but I think now that you say, you know, those in-person activations, we're also thinking about the online element of that. So, you know, we're thinking about, you know, what are those social moments that are going to happen from those, Mm -hmm. from that house? Um, What's that, what's that content that's going to be captured from that house? So, you know, those digital activations don't just live, um, you know, in the physical world. We're, we're transferring, you know, everything that's happening there onto the digital space as well. But I think giving, giving those experiential moments, um, you know, whether it's for an album rollout or a music video or, you know, whether it's a music festival, are really important for fans to, mm-hmm. to feel empowered as, as, as though they're part of the process. Um, and I think it, it builds a bigger connection between the fan and the artist um, when you have a rollout like that, when you have a campaign where, you know, people can physically go to that go to that house mm-hmm. and, you know, go inside and take a picture and, you know, sign the wall or do whatever they do. So um, there are a lot of different elements that go into that and why it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, you heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Rule number one, JD is super trained in the art of, oh, come on. <laughs> of Jedi mind tricking. <laughs> no, but um, this was insightful. Yeah. This was really, really insightful. Um, it's always good when, and that's why we, you know, Aaron and myself, we wanted to get you on yeah. um, early on. We'd like, we, we obviously exchanged uh, in text. Um, it's always good to hear people like JD that are, you know, obviously in the weeds, and uh, at the forefront of just digital and content and this this new age, and especially you falling, obviously, in, in Def Jam, it, it just sheds more light on a lot of the things that are happening there. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm really, really, really anxious to see what you guys are going to do. Yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited, too. That's why I said, man, six months, we should talk about... You know everything that's been happening, and um, you know some of the changes. And yeah, some, we got to do a follow up. We got to yeah. do a follow up. I think that'd be fun, but um, I think the collective is super, super excited. So, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited too because everything he's been saying. Um, I just wish more people would like just do it yeah. or, or or understand it. Like I always, I try to. Even with athletes, I try to tell them like you should have content besides just posting a photo with a. Dolce and Gabbana bag or something yeah. like that. Like you gotta actually have people like you, you yeah. know. Um, well, that's the artist machismo shit. You gotta think about it. Artists uh, have brands of being drug dealers, killers, uh, all types of just crazy shit. They don't think. All right, people do grow up. <laughs> you know what I mean. You don't have to be a drug dealer facade. The rest of your life, you can be a businessman. Take Jay Z, perfect example. He's had so many different, uh, you know, transformations throughout his life and career that you never know what he's going to be next. He could be president, he could be whatever. But yeah. at least he's he's setting himself up to do that. And I think a lot of artists don't think like that just because they may be ignorant to that type of way of thinking. They also, I mean, I think they also just don't understand that there's a value exchange system, like. You, I know you always want people to come listen to your music, but you have to give something to yeah. entice them to listen to your music. You can't just sit there and be like, do something for me, do something for me, do something for me. Like the artists that are, are great at what they do, obviously they're talented in the music space, but like they're able to connect with their fans through their content and they're able to give something of value through their content instead of just like, you know, listen to my music yeah i mean the best artists now they don't have to do promo j cole just dropped look at that he just yeah. did freaking didn't say anything about it just dropped it said no media no guest list first come first serve that's when you come. know you and it was around the block i like, always say that when artists don't have to give release dates anymore that's when you hit a whole nother level of stardom and just success you can just be like all right hey guys here's the link it's out like and it, you'll do 500,000 copies or whatever the first day. Yeah. It, that's that's a different type of star. So. It must make you guys happy. Knowing <laughs> yeah, all we got to do is put that link out. <laughs> You're like, okay, my job's done. Yeah. Yeah, JD's like, man, this is easy. You guys have no idea. I don't do anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. But we want to thank you for coming on, JD. Yeah, I know for sure. Thank super you. super busy. Um, check out Def Jam, obviously. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot going on. Um, I'm excited. So I'm Brandon Kilbeach all. I'm Aaron Ashley Simon. Our wonderful guest is JD Tominski, VP Digital at Def Jam. The D the, 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 the Def Jam. <laughs> the Def Jam. <laughs> we out. Hey. Grass, 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 grass.